production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Dan Malthrop, Chief Executive here at the City Club and also a proud member. It's my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, the President and CEO of Metro Health System and a good friend of the City Club's, Dr. Akram Boutros. It is no secret to anyone in this room or anyone listening on the radio for that matter that Dr. Boutros has had considerable impact on Metro Health and the City of Cleveland since his arrival in 2013. Over the last six years, Dr. Boutros has worked tirelessly to revitalize Metro's main campus and improve economic conditions in the surrounding West Side neighborhood. The, the successes are probably too many to list, but here are a few. There are new facilities in Cuyahoga County and beyond, increased patient volume and expanded access, strong financial performance coupled with free care and community benefit programs that exceed the national average, and a few weeks ago, Dr. Boutros oversaw the groundbreaking of a new 11-story hospital on Metro's main campus. So clearly, Dr. Boutros has breathed new life into our county's 181-year-old public hospital. But as we'll hear today, it's just not enough. Despite our region's reputation for excellence in healthcare, our residents experience some of the poorest health outcomes. And as a result, life expectancy has dropped every year locally for the last three years. Dr. Boutros is here today to challenge some long-held assumptions about the focus of healthcare, that curing disease, medical therapy, and surgical innovation are what's necessary to keep people healthy. What if, in fact, this deep expertise may be at the heart of our healthcare delivery system? What if this deep expertise at the heart of our de healthcare delivery system is actually part of the problem? We'll find out. Esteemed guests, members, and friends of the City Club of Cleveland, please join me in welcoming to the stage Dr. Akram Boutros. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank, thank, thank you very much. Uh, so almost a year ago, on June 8, 2018, John Penny delivered a speech titled, Dead Last, Northeast Ohio's Economy is Lagging, and It's Time to Do Something About It. My speech today was going to be titled, Cuyahoga County Health Outcomes, dead first. But City Club CEO Dan Malthrop decided to tone it down. <laughs> I think he was afraid it might scare some of us. With great affection for Dan, he knows I love him. We should be scared. Not scared out of our wits, scared into them. Scared enough to finally do something. When it comes to health care, we've reached our day of reckoning. We're killing ourselves. That's why I'm going to speak in simple terms. I want to be perfectly clear. 
It's time to skip the big words and focus on big ideas. Ideas that require both candor and courage. And it's time to put away our Midwestern politeness for the sake of honest conversation. In the Game of Thrones, Ned Stark's son asks him, can a man still be brave if he's afraid? Ned answers, that's the only time a man can be brave. I can tell you, I'm afraid. I'm afraid the chance for us to be a great city for healthcare, not medicine, there's a clear and distinct difference, is slipping away. The time for us to be brave has come. We must hold each other accountable. Every person in this room, every person listening on the radio, every person watching online, we must hold each other accountable for improving the health of all of us. Poor health doesn't just affect the sick. It impacts entire communities. Its devastation spreads to those who are healthy, sometimes in quiet and deadly ways. There are no such things as neighborhood issues. They, these are our issues, life and death issues. And it's time to stop ignoring them or speaking about them in polite, sterile, intellectual tones that make us feel simultaneously good and superior to those impacted. For the past six years, I've been hearing about the infant mortality problem in Cuyahoga County. That's one of those topics that we discuss in polite, sterile, intellectual tones. It's time to call it what it is. What we have in Cuyahoga County is a black infant mortality crisis. African-American babies in Cuyahoga County die at four to six times the rate of white babies. When we speak of this as an infant mortality problem and ignore race, we cloud the issue. And if there is one thing we know about African-American infant mortality, infant mortality, it is due in part to structural racism. And so to be clear about the definition of this, it doesn't imply that people who work in healthcare are racist. Structural racism refers to the totality of ways in which societies foster racial discrimination through mutually reinforcing systems of housing, education, employment, earnings, benefits, credit, media, healthcare, and criminal justice. So I ask you, how can we solve a problem we're not being perfectly clear about while ignoring one of its root causes? The deaths of our black children must stop. It is an atrocity. And we must acknowledge this, and to not to do so is a moral outrage. And it's not the only outrage we have. In Cuyahoga County, the death rate of, for cardiovascular disease is 21% higher than in the rest of the country. In Cuyahoga County, cigarette use is 35% higher, and in Cleveland, it's 127% higher. In Cuyahoga County, suicide rates are higher, and flu vaccinations for those on Medicare are lower than national bank benchmarks. In Cuyahoga County, of the 13,865 babies born in 2018, 117 died before they turned one. And the opioid deaths, they belong to a category 
all their own. The rate of opioid deaths in Cuyahoga County is almost three times the national average. In Cleveland, it's nearly five times higher. I could go on. But think about this. Here, homes to some of the best medical care in the world, we can't get it right. What's wrong with us? What's wrong is that we continue to believe that good health care can be measured by the size of our hospitals and the prestige of those who work inside of them. We think excellent health care is de best defined by complex surgeries for rare disorders. And we, hospital leaders, keep confusing the public by focusing on ever-increasing high-technology medical care and equating it to better health care. We've got to stop promoting what happens inside our hospitals as if it really matters to the health outcomes of our communities. It doesn't. Research shows that good health care depends far less on your doctor than what happened to you as a kid. Suggesting that medical care leads to good health outcomes conflates the two. And it ignores what has been staring us in the face since the beginning of time. The stress of a tough life doesn't just make you anxious. It changes the biology of your brain and beats the hell out of your body. You may have already heard from Dr. Nadine Burke Harris, the Surgeon General of California, about adverse childhood experiences, or ACE scores. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, rich or poor, born in the United States or immigrated from thousands of miles away. Adverse childhood experiences can kill you. Almost half the children in the United States have experienced at least one ACE. One in 10 children nationally have experienced three or more ACEs, placing them in a category of high risk. One in six children have experienced three or more ACEs in Montana and Oklahoma. In Ohio, one in seven children has experienced three or more ACEs. And before you ask me, let me tell you, children of different races and ethnicities do not experience ACEs equally. Nationally, 61% of African-American children and 51% of Hispanic children have experienced at least one ACE, compared to 40% of white children and 23% of Asian children. So what are ACEs? They are the struggles that we survive as kids. Things like abuse, neglect, household dysfunction, such as a parent with mental illness who is violent, battling addiction, or serving time in jail. Even divorce has been identified as having a significant and lifelong negative impact on children. There are second tiers of ACEs too. Things like things that happen just outside our homes. Witnessing violence, living in unsafe neighborhoods, experiencing racism or bullying, and living in foster care. This exposure leads to both unhealthy and risky behaviors such as smoking, involvement with gangs, and drug and alcohol use. The more ACEs in your life, the more likely you are to end up with diabetes, obesity, depression, a sexual, sexually transmitted disease, or to attempt suicide. These connections are real, and we've known them for 20 years. 20 years! Once you think about it, it makes sense. It's easy. To, for example, to, to see 
how childhood abuse might lead to depression later in life. It's not quite so easy to understand how ACE scores increase the risk of heart disease, strokes, lung disease, and cancer. But the link is there. Whether you end up with cancer or not could be tied to your dad's schizophrenia or your mom's use of alcohol, both of which have little to do with the kind of medical care you are receiving. So it's time. It's time to heed the words of Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. spoke 53 years ago when he said, of all the forms of inequality, injustice in healthcare is the most shocking and inhumane. It's time for us to spot, stop speaking about critical life and death issues in polite and sterile terms. It's time for health system executives' deeds to match both the rhetoric and the needs of the community. It's time for us to address the social determinants of health, which, as you heard two weeks ago at the City Club from Dr. Stoby Cosworth and Amy Acton, director of the Department of Ohio's Department of Health, impacts 70 to 80 percent of health outcomes. That's three and a half to four times the impact that your doctor, hospital medication, and surgeries have on your health. It's time to focus on promoting health rather than fighting illness. Of the billions of dollars raised over the past 10 years by hospital systems in Cleveland, it is estimated that 5% of that money, one in $20, is earmarked for programs that deal with social determinants that impact 70 to 80% of health outcomes. This lopsided support goes to promote the status quo instead of changing it. If the reverse was true, every health system would have to quickly pivot its attention to programs that improve the health outcomes of the entire community. It's time for us, you, me, the business philanthropic and civic leaders of Cleveland Cuyahoga County to come together and invest in fixing the health outcome crisis before us. I don't want you to leave, uh, to leave here today only focused on this, all, all this tough talk. I want you to know there is hope because health systems are so slowly changing. We're beginning to intervene long before someone shows up in our emergency room department with unbearable chest pain, unable to walk because of stroke or blind from diabetes. If we want people to live healthy lives, Waiting until these sorts of things happen isn't waiting too late. It's immoral. Which, why, which is why there are health systems and community organizations that are stepping in early, working in dozens of ways to prevent disease. Here's the other piece of good news about what we can do to fix these issues. It does not require heroic acts or advanced degrees. Research shows that having just one trusted adult in your life can reverse the effects of ACEs. That's the reason Metro Health has adopted the Open Table model. Open Table brings together six to 10 volunteers who commit to spending time every week for a year to help a family or a person in need by sharing their professional and personal experiences and support. 
The team acts as cheerleaders, advisors, advocates, friends. They create an honest, supportive, and hopeful system for individuals and families. Instead of giving people who were homeless, who grew up in foster care, who recently emigrated one trusted uh, adult, we're giving them six, seven, or 10. And they are making a difference. One open table helped an 18-year-old explore job possibilities, fill out applications, and practice interviewing. She landed a job, the best one she ever had within weeks. Another open table member will be re receive her master's degree in a few weeks. I can't tell you how proud Metro Health is to be the first health system country to adopt open table. Today, we have five tables up and running. A sixth starts very soon. And our goal to have 15 in place by the and our goal is to have 15 in place by the end of the year. So if you want to volunteer, please stop at the table in the lobby and pick up a brochure. Metro Health can't be the only large employer sponsoring open tables. The need in Cleveland is enormous. Every company in Cuyahoga County with 100 or more employees should be sponsoring at least one open table. Every house of worship should be sponsoring at least one open table. Every civic and community group should be sponsoring at least one open table. If that happens, we can have over 1,000 open tables every year. And in the process, we could be connecting people and communities who do not interact or trust one another. We can become an inclusive city that improves understanding and harmony. We can become a city where we are our brother's keepers. And yet, we can do more. Promoting health and success in urban youth is why we opened the Lincoln West School of Science and Health inside our hospital a few years ago. Doctors and nurses, electricians and plumbers, employees in all careers make themselves available as role models and mentors to these students. They become that one adult who makes a difference. The students, some of whom are homeless or heads of households, spend part of their senior year in internships working in fields inside the hospital they may be interested in. Is it making a difference? We think so. Our first class of senior graduates in two weeks. Their daily attendance rate was 97.27%. And every single one of them has been accepted to college. Compare that to our closest CMS Day school where attendance rate is below 90%, the graduation rate is 70%, and the college acceptance rate is about 60%. And yet, we can do more. Preventing childhood trauma is why we partnered with the Mount Sinai Healthcare Foundation to la launch the Nurse Family Partnership, which sends nurses into the homes of low-income first time moms to teach them how to care for their babies. Everything from breastfeeding to child development to connecting them to other services they need. The visits begin early in pregnancy and continue until the babies are two. The goal is to prevent health problems, especially preterm births, the number one cause of infant death. 
So far, we've seen more than 80% of the moms in this program begin one of the healthiest starts you can give a baby, breastfeeding. And of the infants in, enrolled in the program, 100% had no hospitalization at six months old, and 100% were current with their immunizations at 18 months old. And yet, we can do more. Reducing financial stress in a family help, reduces, help reduce chronic stress in our children and better connects the family unit. The chronic stress of poverty has been demonstrated to help hinder development of executive function and create dysregulation of emotion and attention. These lifelong effects are some of the underlying reasons why children living in poverty may not excel in school, choose risky behavior, and have more suicide attempts. In Cleveland, 35% of households and nearly 50% of children under age 18 live in poverty. Whether you're a business person, a civic leader, or a social crusader, you must find this unacceptable. Cleveland will never become a great city unless we significantly reduce these numbers. Businesses and agencies can join Metro Health in increasing their minimum wage to $15 an hour so parents don't have the stress of working two or three jobs in order to pay the rent, keep the lights on, or fill the refrigerators. So fewer of our city's children live in poverty. At Metro Health, we don't see this as a handout or a social service program. Rather, it helps us attract, retain, and promote more effective team members. I think every organization should have an honest conversation with its lowest paid employees and find out what life is really like for them. When we did, we found out about the two or three jobs the worry about their children's future, the longing to be more present in their family's right, life. And yet, we can do more. Businesses can partner with minority business agencies to create synergies that impact the neighborhood. We partnered with the Spanish American Committee, Turner Construction Company, the Cleveland Foundation, Cleveland Building Trades Council, the Construction Employers Association, the Key Bank Foundation, and the Westfield Foundation to create the Latino Construction Program. The six-week program pairs a course in English language construction terms with lessons in safety, understanding unions, work opportunities in the trades, and more. It's one step of the I can plan, which leads to home ownership. The Latino Construction Program began in 2017. And the third class of 25 students has just begun. So far, graduates of the program have earned more than $400,000 and, and are on their way to self-sufficiency. I could tell you 100 more stories about what we and others are doing to reverse the effects of the social determinants of health, which have resulted in our city and county having some of the worst health outcomes in the country while having some of the most advanced and celebrated medical facilities 
in the world. But those stories are best told by the people who've been out there. So if you attend our annual stakeholders meeting on June 28th, you'll meet some of them. And what you will find out is that every one of them is worth saving. And that our world is better each time we do. Today, these neighbors, friends, and patients are better employees, better moms and dads, happier people who are working on becoming an inspiration to others. They are the example for those who do this work and for those who benefit from it. I'd like to end with one more thought. If we truly want this to be a great city, if we really want to help people become the best they can be, if we honestly care about our future, we must stop demonizing people who use drugs, who behave differently, are in jail, don't have a place to go home. The situation they find themselves in is often not the result of a moral failing. It's the result of an illness. And these illnesses are born of a society that has invested billions in medical care and little in health care. It's time we all did something to reverse that. Look, if I have offended you, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I hope I have offended you into action. I hope every person who listens to this goes out there and proves me wrong. If you or your organization are doing your part to end this healthcare outcome crisis, I beg you to yell it from the rooftops. Let all those who want to join you know. If you don't think you're doing enough, I beg you to join a group that is. It's time to stop applauding medical care that's administered after the fact, no matter how good it is, and stop providing health care before people get sick. Let me say this again. It's time to stop applauding medical care that's administered after the fact and start providing health care before people get sick. It's time to stand up to people who aren't doing enough to reverse adverse childhood experiences and prevent childhood trauma. It's time to insist they do, time to hold them accountable. It is time to be unabashedly honest, and it's time to be brave. Thank you. benefit of our radio audience, that's a, a standing ovation room, <laughs> the entire room. And uh, I'm supposed to be really neutral, but I love you, doctor. Um, <laughs> today we're enjoying a forum with Dr. Akram Boutros. He's president and CEO of Metro Health System, and we're about to begin the audience Q&A. We welcome questions from everyone, City Club members, guests, students, and those of you joining us via our radio broadcast through IdeaStream or our live stream as well. If you'd like to tweet a question, please tweet it at the City Club, and our team will work it into the program. Holding our microphones today are 
our content coordinator, Bliss Davis, and marketing and outreach coordinator, Julia Wong. May we have our first question, please? I like to hold this on. Uh, great and informative, uh, really, um, healthcare issues. I can say you are the champion of, of really healthcare issues that are really needing a lot of attention in our city. So I don't think anybody was offended anyway, just uh, that great thing. Uh, my question is about the uh, kind of race and ethnic immigrant population. Yeah. Uh, if we have like, you know, as we call it, the nation of immigrants, ethnic yeah. groups who come immigrate from overseas, and they're doing like a change of status, asylum case, pending uh, getting a green card. They have work permit, and they contribute a lot to the economy, of course. Uh, are they eligible for like uh, free service, or I would say Medicaid or some programs at, at Metro, uh, Metro Health? Mentioning that, I would like to elaborate a little bit about the impact of, of non-immigrant non even population, like international students, F1 visa students. We have in this country, in our country, 1.2 million international students. They contribute to the economy uh, $44 billion in revenue because they pay triple tuition. And that translates into 200,000 jobs for the US economy and the yeah. workforce. So can there a special attention to this kind of population and, and you know, in yeah. general? That, thank you. So the, the, the wonderful thing about uh, the students who attend college here, they're almost invariably healthy. They don't need us, okay? Literally, by the way, if you think about it, between the age of 10 and 45 years old, you do very little for the healthcare system, which is good. You stay healthy, you don't come in, you don't see us. So, but the answer is, if they need us, we're absolutely here. Metro Health has been estimated to take care of four out of five new immigrants before they get any um, uh, coverage, okay? Four out of five of the new immigrants that come to the US, to, excuse me, to Cleveland, come to see us. And we have special programs for them. We not only help them understand the healthcare um, services that are available to them, but many are health illiterate. They don't understand what it is to be, how to better take care of themselves. So we actually help them understand not only what the options are before them, but what are the, what are the organizations that are around here that can help them translate what their, what their um, um, how they grew up and reconcile it with what's available to them. Thank you, Dr. Boutros, for some really inspiring words today. We really appreciate it. Um, can you speak to the challenges and opportunities of a large healthcare system in working with community-based organizations on the ground trying to address these issues as well? Um, and also your hopes for the, the sustainability of the organizations who often hold, who serve and hold the trust of the residents and patients yeah. in our community. So we, we got to stop with our natural instinct to squash you. Okay. Our natural instinct is for large health systems as we work with small organizations is to either ignore you or squash you. Okay? Because you talk differently than we do. We don't understand what you're doing and and we we're a lot more corporate than you think that than other people think we are. So the first thing is we got to learn from your wisdom. From what you have what you have done on the streets, what the, the knowledge that you've gained. You're closer to folks who need us much more than we are. The second thing is that 
you got to also trust us. For those who are coming to you and saying, we want to help, I know many times people have come before and have done this and, 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 and disappointed you. But if you do not trust us, there's no way for us. So we got to respect you and you have to trust us. Okay? So, so we got to be able to do that. I, I'll, I'll tell you my hope. Um, I didn't have a lot of it a, a year ago. I really, I really did it. Uh, I thought Metro Health was alone in trying to figure this out. Past couple of days, I spent time with uh, Adam Myers, who is the chief population health officer from the Cleveland Clinic, and Peter Pronovost, who is the head of community health from the university hospitals. We spent a lot of time together the past couple of days. We talked about a lot, a lot about the social determinants of health. It is really hard. It's hard for a hospital system like Metro Health to focus on social determinants of health. But it's really, it's, it's confounding to me how these two gentlemen have been able to make terrific progress under very large organizations. You see that both the clinic and university hospitals and Metro Health to a certain extent were hooked to fee-for-service, okay? It is absolutely equal to heroin to us, okay? We are absolutely hooked on it, and we can't get over it, okay? Now, I want you to understand, think about, think about physicians who their entire lives worked on being focused on special area of disease and have become the best at it in the world, okay? You have the best 100-yard sprinter in the world, and you have a guy like me coming over to them and saying, nobody cares about sprinting anymore. This is a marathon. And they're like, are you kidding me? I spent my entire life working on this single disease thing. Do you know the people I impact? And the answer is yes, I know the people you, you impact. I also know the people you don't impact. The 99.9999% that you do nothing for. Your brilliance, your commitment, is only for a very small number of people. So how do we take these incredibly dedicated human beings and figure out how to move them to that? Well, these two gentlemen are doing that. I have to tell you, both Dr. Dr. Myers and Pronovost, I am much more hopeful today that they, are, they can do that. We're beginning to discuss how we can work together for the good of the community, putting away the ego as much as possible, although I'm the best looking of the three. <laughs> you know it's a lie if you've seen Pronovost, right? So, <laughs> so, so sorry, Adam. <laughs> You're the smartest, Adam. Uh, so, all right. so, so, um, so I, I am hopeful that we're going to begin uh, working together on that. Doctor, thank you for your plain English telling it like it is. A couple weeks ago, when Dr. Cosgrove and Ms. Acton were here, uh, one factor came out which I think most of us found rather uh, hard to believe. While the U.S. medical care system is the highest cost in the world by far, I believe it was Dr. Cosgrove who pointed out, when you add the cost of the social pro right. programs that are so prevalent throughout Europe, actually the, what we spend on the combination of social programs and health care 
we're maybe fourth or fifth highest cost in the world. Yeah. Can you point out perhaps two or three programs that are prevalent in other areas of the world that are being successful that maybe we could adopt here, despite the fact Americans don't like to look anywhere else for models? Yeah, yeah so, so uh, depending on which study you look at, you will see that we have the 22nd, maybe worst outcomes of all the, the organized uh, countries, and we may be number 11th in those combined spending, right? So that, that the combination is really terrible, that we're low in combined spending and, and we're getting terrible results. But for, for medical care, which we, again, is a misnomer, we talk about we spend money on medical care and we call it health care. It's not the same. We spend so much money on medical care. So one of the really important things, and I, I just I don't know how to stress this to you, Adult, uh, excuse me, adverse childhood experiences. Okay, we must deal with them. We must deal by the team, uh, from the time the baby is zero years old to five years old. If w that is such a small investment to help uh, uh, eliminate and reduce lots and lots of uh, diseases, so we don't have a supportive structure today that the healthcare system provides for mothers who are, you, you can't get a, um, you can't drive a car, but you can't have six kids if you're terrible at it, okay? If you actually got into an accident, we take your license away, okay? If you don't have the skill sets, the, the, the support structure to raise uh, children, we do nothing. We watch you and go, oh, you're a terrible mom or you're a terrible dad. That's not true. That is not true. If you talk to, if you talk to Dr. Adam Myers, he, he would get really scientific on you, okay? And he will talk about the ends of chromosomes, okay? They're called telomeres. They're the things at the end of the chromosomes that actually, whenever something happens with the chromosome, it goes to fix it, right? It's our maintenance guys who come in and go, something is wrong with the chromosome, let me fix it. For each adverse childhood experience, you shorten that by 11%. So if you have five, you've shortened it nearly by 60%. Okay? You have no capability to, to fix problems that go on with your chromosome. That is why you get cancer at such a prevalent rate. And it can be passed on. So we have to take care of our, our children. We have to put programs in place that actually helps the mothers and fathers take care of the very young to be able to have, be successful in the future. So do I think it's great to give uh, parents time off to be with their kids? I do. But many, many people aren't employed. So giving them time off isn't helpful, right? Giving them support is helpful. Is, is one okay or do I need to go on otherwise? Okay. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you one of the things is that if we do not stop our children from vaping, Okay, it's one of those other crazy things that we've done. We've permitted to, tobacco companies to, to do a shell game with us and go, it's not cigarettes anymore. It's just an electronic pen. Okay, thanks. That, that actually, that, that when you use it, it takes like strawberry shortcake and gives you cancer at three times the rate. Good job. 
Um, our next question comes from Twitter. If I heard you correctly, a key to reducing infant mortality is prenatal care focused on reducing preterm births. Yes. What should we be doing that we are not currently doing? And what um, and how should we scale up? So uh, a, a lot of things. And I and I, I am going to tell you, as I am not, despite the fact that I co-chair first here Cleveland, I am not the expert on this. I'm, I'm an expert on hospital leadership and management. But you have, we have two experts here who can talk um, a great deal about this. Kristen, could you raise your, your hand? So, so Chris, Kristen is, uh, uh, leads Birthing Beautiful Communities, which is abs a program that works with women and, and help reduce uh, uh, infant mortality. And, and Bernie, could you raise your arm? Uh, and Bernie is the, is the head of uh, uh, First Year Cleveland. She's our executive director. So I'm going to punt to them, and, 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 uh, uh, but, uh, and, and but please go to firstyearcleveland.org, uh, and you can, you can see all the programs that we have in place. Yes. Hi. Oh. Um, I'm up. H hello. Hi, sir. <laughs> How are you? Are we going to talk about data? Here we go. All right, Whatever. let's go. Let's go for Put it. Put your seatbelt on. All right. The um, I don't. It's Dr. Meyer here. He's not. I, oh, okay. I was with. Yeah, him I, I don't. I, I don't invite the competition. Yeah, right. Well, I do. No. Um, <laughs> I was with him this morning on this subject, and yeah. um, so what do you think about putting together a global capitated ACO, yeah. the clinic UH and Metro, mm -hmm. and we'll take the financial energy that we extract out of that and go right after the social determinants. So from expecting moms and yep. for the children and the things that are hitting the ACE, causing the ACE scores, which yep. we completely agree with that science. And my daughter was teaching me about the telomeres last week, which okay. is really interesting. <laughs> so what do you think about doing that? And we get, we get together and we pull the first real one together that goes after Medicaid and the dual eligibles. Yeah. I, think it's a, I think it's an absolutely extraordinary and wonderful idea and we should do it. You have to overcome uh, two things. One is that every health system, the professionals in the different health system, think they do provide better care than the other people. Okay, so we got to stop that. And the second is we got to trust and share data with each other, so that we're looking to improve the outcomes of the communities instead of improving our own outcomes only. So I think it's a it would be a wonderful and 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 great idea. I am I am telling you, I am more hopeful today because of Adam and Peter than I've ever been. They are just such extraordinarily committed and capable individuals who would do this exactly this kind of work. We're in, so you want, you, anybody who wants to do it, we're in. Hi, Dr. B. Hi. So as a family physician. You're not a plant, despite the fact, <laughs> that, despite the fact that you work at Metro Health. I know you're not a plant. I, I can't wait for this one. So, as a family physician, I so value you talking about prevention um, because that's you know really what my entire specialty is rooted in is yep. preventing illness. And in our country, we have about 25% of our physicians that are primary care and family physicians and 75% that are specialists. Yep. And if you look at other countries where health care is much stronger than what we have in the United States, yep. it's the opposite. 
75% are in family medicine and primary care, and 25% are in specialties. So what can we do as a health system to try and leverage that information to say we need a lot more people going into primary care so we can be operating at that grassroots level, working on those adverse childhood events, doing the education, the counseling, yeah. all those sorts of things? Yeah, so, so to, to Steve's point, unless you change the, the compensation model, where if you go into super subspecialty, you get paid for the work you do, you know, gazillions of dollars, but if you're a primary care physician, physician, you're a pauper, right? That's not going to, unless you change that, we're not going to focus on that, right? So, so if, if we have a, I have a patient that, I'm not gonna share their, their name, but it's a woman who was going blind, okay? HEPA, I know. She actually told me I can use her name, but I'm not going to. So she, she, she was going, she, she wakes up, she can't see, she can't read, and um, a Latino mom and comes to us and says, oh, oh my God, I can't see. It turns out she has diabetes, right? She had undiagnosed diabetes, she's going blind, and, and we take time and teach her Latino co cooking that is healthy. She goes on medication, but she goes and learns Latino cooking that is healthy, right? Spent a lot of time with her teaching how to cook ethnic food that is good that is would help her diabetes she's off the medications today and she she can her sight is completely back to normal okay but here's the thing we didn't get paid a dime for all the time we worked on uh, with her to teach her cooking right but if i wanted to do uh, surgery on her lots and lots of money uh, uh, to do that so we have to change the, the structure, right? We literally have to change the structure. And, and you know, I, I said in a speech that th this spreads like in deadly and quiet ways sometimes. Uh, I, see, I see Chris Quinn here, and I, I hope I don't get you upset and reliving memories. But when you have innocence, kindness, and sweetness meets untreated and undiagnosed medical illness, you get the loss of an extraordinary reporter. That's what happens in our country. That's happens in our world. You have somebody who is, who's truly has so much to give to this life, who, every, who, who in every interaction made feel, people good, feel good about themselves. And they, their paths cross with somebody who has undiagnosed and untreated mental illness and she's dead. That's unacceptable. That's how it happened. Who's responsible? You and me. You and me and everybody else who has let that gentleman not get the care they need. Who's responsible for all these African American babies who are dying in our city? Me, you. Everybody who works in this, in this, in this city Every organization, every civic leader, every elected official, everyone who works here is responsible for that. We have to get together and stop bickering and do something about it. It, it's an, it really is an atrocity. I don't know how else to describe this. You know, um, Fred Ward, who uh, and I do some uh, interesting things together. 
you would never think our paths would cross. But Fred is one of the people who understands adverse childhood experiences better than many, many of the clinicians I speak to. So Fred, thanks for all your support for this. Yes. Um, I just first want to say thank you for bringing up the social determinants of health. As a recent graduate from Case Western, a lot of my studies was on public health and a lot about social determinants. Um, so my question is, I'm sure you're familiar with the Cleveland Crescent, um, yeah. and I was just wondering how you, and I applaud your nursing program where you bring, come into the homes, but what other programs do you suggest as we approach, because I know transportation is a big social determinant of health. How can we bring the services to the people who can't make it to the services themselves? Do yeah. you have any ideas? So, so uh, we, we literally have 140 programs that are, 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 de are dedicated to the social determinants of health. You're going to watch something very rare. I'm going to pull out a card from my, from <laughs> my pocket because I'm going to read something to you. So um, thinking about what you're talking about, in our, our Buckeye neighborhood, we have a clinic. And that clinic has had three times the no-show rate of, of uh, uh, other metro health facilities. And it turns out to be um, single moms who are contributing to all of this. So typically when you're faced with by this, and Julie Giacono is here, our chief strategy officer, typically people like Julie would come to me and say, business model is broken. All right, let's, let's skedaddle out of here, okay? The people don't want to come in. It doesn't make uh, money, we lose money. Clearly people don't want us because they're not coming for their programs, let's leave, right? So Julie didn't come and say that. She said, hey, what, can, what else can we do to help these folks? So we moved all our clinical services from the first floor to our second floor. We took the entire first floor and we said to community organization, we developed something called the Buckeye Community Resource Center and we're providing rent-free uh, uh, locations and support in exchange for a simple promise to serve the community to the best of their abilities. We have Providence House, who is providing case management and trauma support services for children and families affected by personal crises. The Greater Cleveland Food Bank, who's signing up people for um, uh, SNAP programs and also providing them nutrition support. The Domestic Violence Child Advocacy Center, which provides support services for victims of domestic violence and abuse and their families. Goodwill, which is one of the largest, if not the largest, um, um, job placement and support services organization. The Legal Aid Society, which is helping them with housing, with other civic uh, and, and legal issues. The Metro Health Trauma Recovery Center, which is brought providing additional support for those who have physical or community trauma. And we provide transportation to all our patients, okay? You come to our center, free transportation, happy to pick you up. The problem is you've got so many other places to go that you can't come. So if you can come here to one location and get all the services done, you are more likely to attend. So Julie, thanks for not telling us to skedaddle, and thanks for putting the program together. At a time when healthcare is being withdrawn from women, 
their doctors threatened with jail and prevented from making their best medical judgments when treating women. Um, and when women are prevented from controlling their own reproductive um, decisions, how can institutions address this endangered health care of women? So reproductive medicine is something that is um, clearly a personal issue between uh, um, a, a woman and her physician. We, we constantly support that. We work with them on it. We also want them to understand the implications of all their decisions, not on them, themselves today, but in the future. So, so this is something that I don't, honestly, it doesn't really matter to us what, what's happening in Washington, D.C. For us, we're going to continue to provide all the health care that women need, irrespective of, of what happens. Unless they put me in jail, we're just going to continue to providing the services. Doctor, I wonder if you'd address what role uh, medical colleges and universities and medical schools play because of the cost. A lot of these young interns are graduating thousands of dollars in debt. Does that not lead them more to wanting to become a specialist yeah. to pay off that debt yeah. versus looking at primary care or becoming general practitioner? Yeah, so, so it would be great if you guys could lower the cost of uh, education. <laughs> if you don't, though, what we are going to have to do as a society is we're going to say to you, if you go into primary care, and Metro Health is seriously thinking about this, we're going to pay your debt off. Okay? And if you happen to go on orthopedic care, hey, it's all yours, pal. Uh-oh. <laughs> See, now you threw me off. <laughs> um, Dr. Boutros, um, Medicaid expansion has made a huge impact on the health care of over 700,000 yes. individuals in the state and over 100,000 in Cuyahoga County. The state Senate is now um, um, doing their part in the biennium budget debate. And they are threatening to put a piece in the budget that would impact uh, Medicaid expansion. What is your message to all of us in this room that value our public hospital? That what is the message that we should send to Matt Dolan and to Larry Obhoff today before their version of the budget comes out next week? So um, it, the the. the the budget office has estimated that it costs $22 a month, costs you, taxpayers, $22 a month to provide Medicaid services for every expansion patient. So don't listen to the numbers that they throw out at you, okay? Because we get so many additional dollars. We get coverage for people who are in the, in the jail system. We get coverage for so many things that only cost $22 a month to per, per enrollee, okay? I have to tell you, I have seen case after case after case after case in which if people did not have Medicaid expansion, we would have to enroll them in emergency Medicaid and be able to, and have to pay a hundred times the services they are. Here's the interesting thing. 
people who are on, on before they got on Medicaid expansion, I think 30% of them were working. After Medicaid expansion, I think nearly 60% of them are working. This is a great long-term program. Stop looking at short-term results. Start looking at the health of, of our uh, uh, um, city. Start looking at the health of our county and the health of our state and tell them to continue funding the, uh, the Medicaid expansion program. And just for clarity's sake, that's State Senator Matt Dolan, who chairs the Finance Committee, and Senate President Larry Obhoff. Um, today at the City Club, both of whom are welcome to join us at the City Club, by the way. Um, and we've been enjoying a forum today with Dr. Akram Boutros, President and CEO of Metro Health System. Our forum today is part of our Healthcare Innovation Series, sponsored by Medical Mutual and Metro Health. We're delighted to have representatives from both organizations with us today. Thank you for your continued support of City Club programming. Additionally, we welcome guests at tables hosted by the Center for Community Solutions, the Center for Health Affairs, Cleveland Clinic, Cuyahoga Community College, Metro Health Foundation, Old Brooklyn Community, De Community Development Corporation, and Recovery Resources. Thank you all for being a part of our forum today. That brings us to the end of our program. Thank you, Dr. Boutros. Thank you, friends. Have a wonderful weekend. Our forum is adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.